welcome back to An Abundance of Thrones, looking at Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 8, Hard Home. I am Garrett, your host, joined by Wade this week. Hello. We are a man down, and that's just fine by us. We're, we're a dragon down. We're a dragon down. There we go. Drogon and... Drogon's <laughs> out, checking out the world, and <laughs> Rhaegal and Viserion are stuck at the fort. Uh, we will be looking at this episode in its entirety, so if you have not seen it, spoilers are ahead. Additionally, we reserve the right to be explicit, so should we use adult language while describing an adult show, you shouldn't have a problem with that. And if the kids are listening, well, Shame send on them you. somewhere else. Shame on Put your headphones on. Yeah. Jesus the hell do you think you're doing this is not for kids uh information on the episode this week director same as last week miguel sapachnik writers the double d's david benioff and db weiss viewership strong spike this week we got up to seven million which is the second highest rating all season which is damn awesome because it's probably the best episode of all season Along with ratings, we got another spike. Last week was about 90%. This week, uh, rated at 100%. So that's fine by us. Um, Wade, why don't you start us off with your impression as the episode as a whole? I felt this was what we needed, finally. This was where we you know, kind of getting tired of diplomacy. And we're now, you know, finally getting to see what the whole series is building up towards. Yeah, I agree. I think um, all season long we've been getting a lot of build-up and a lot of re-education and, like, a lot of tension forming. Yeah. And this episode we got to see the culmination of that. Like, and sitting here, it's like, did Danny reopen the fighting pits? Okay, you know, it shows her as a character, but are we going to get to something? Like, I'm kind of getting bored of all of people sitting around not doing much. Yeah, I feel like the episode so far has been just moving the pawns around on the chessboard. Yep. And now we're starting to move someone the major moved the, pieces. Some the, someone moved the pawn to attack. Well, I think now the pawns are out of the way, and now we're moving the knights and the rooks and whatnot. I meant the as pawns a, as the uh, the kind of cannon fodder wraith white walkers almost said wraiths and well yeah, so more lot, bishops and rooks are the was that okay, wraith digging too deep into the analogy settle down no we'll have some fun with this opening sequence we got uh same as the last few episodes king's landing winterfell the wall and or castle black bravos marine and dorn this week we start in marine Tyrion and jorah standing before danny uh, uh, Jorah wanting to explain himself, and he's shot down. Yep. And uh, Tyrion taking taking the stand, so to speak. I love the opening scene of this. Oh, this was so well done by Tyrion. And it just set the whole stage for the episode, too. I yep. just love it. Uh, from his line of, well, if you hate Lannisters, I've killed more than anyone, <laughs> so I am not your enemy. He makes the joke about, well, I don't know if you deserve my services yet. We've just met. <laughs> Clearly a joke for us and the... Um, Picking and choosing his clientele. Exactly. His his experience with the whores. And not to say that she is one, but, you know, is she worthy of what he has to offer? Tell you what, if I found her in my bed, I would not complain. That's right. <laughs> Uh, clearly joke was not taken very well, was not very funny in the eyes of Danny. Uh, feel free to jump in if you've got stuff in between here. I'm just going off of my notes here. The one thing I did kind of notice, if you looked at, uh, the garb Danny was wearing, mm -hmm. right in the middle is kind of like a brooch thing. Okay. But it's got three dragon heads. Well, that's the brooch of her family. That's a brooch of the Targaryen. I thought house. it was kind of cool to have that. And I was like, huh, a three-headed dragon. Yeah, that's the that's the Targaryen. I thought house it was also re the representation of her three dragons. But yep, all right, there's definitely a similarity there. Uh, Tyrion goes on to tell the story about Danny, a girl who was born with no riches, no army, 
just a name and eventually came into those things quite uh, quickly the riches the riches and the the army and land relatively quick and three dragons and it got me thinking that a few episodes back when Baelish was traveling away from the Erie with Sansa and little Robin and he's telling the guy that he leaves him with that well he has a name and that's sometimes all you need so I couldn't help but remember that line in mm -hmm. that situation when talking about Danny, where she was born and all she had was a name she didn't have anything else going for her and now she's a ruler now when she goes into Starbucks the guys are like screw it no because it's so damn long with yeah. all her accomplishments she's done in such a short time. Exactly. But uh, there's also that part where uh, she removes Jorah from the city. We were getting to that. So Tyrion expresses that he has the ability to advise her on lands that she's unfamiliar, being Westeros. That, and she can't help... Or she can't rule this area by the common folk alone. He, she tried that in Marine, and it didn't go so hot with only having the slaves as support. You need the rich families as well, which we get into that a little bit later, later conversation. But in his attempt or desire to advise her, they decide Jorah's fate. Tyrion expresses that he is dedicated to you. He might even love you. But a queen who kills those who are dedicated don't inspire devotion. In which case, Andy says that you'll need devotion to conquer the seven kingdoms in Westeros, but you can't do it with Jorah. He's got too much of a stain of a reputation. Essentially, it'll only bring you down. And when she kicks him... Removes him from the city. We do get a camera angle shot there. It kind of looks back it up at one of the towers. Looks, no, it looks straight at Danny. Was she in? It looks straight at her face. Just for like when he was a couple, outside of the wall, or just after they remove him from the throne chamber. Okay, it looks right at her, and she's got a, some emotion there. Ah, I missed that. Yeah, it was like. You know, kind of that, that one face like worried, was that the right move? Ah. So maybe a slight degree of, of being conflicted. Mm-hmm. Okay. We transition to King's Landing. King's Landing A for us. Yep. Cersei, uh, she's not doing so well. She could use a bath. <laughs> Judging uh, from her appearance, sorry. Her, her ploys to... Empower the faith uh, backfired pretty heavily. Uh, and she's posed with a question to confess her, her sins or not. It really wasn't a question. It was more demands. It was more demand, yeah. She's kind of offered water in order. And if you confess, we'll give you water and, you know, not be so hard on you at the moment. But we don't really know what she's being charged with yet. We can assume, but we don't know what Lancel has told the High Septum and the Sparrow, or the High Sparrow, as to her crimes, which we get a little later. Doesn't it seem really kind of a... I mean, she missed a major card here when she pulled this. What do you mean? Well, she, we knew she had a... How do I say this? Engagement with Lynn Lancel. But then armed the, the Faith... Mm -hmm. which included Lancel. Yep. She knew she was getting, uh, what's his name? Knight of Flowers. Uh, Loris. Loris, thank you. Uh, going in, and with Lancel being such a devout follower now, you know, I find it off character of Cersei not to, uh, take that into To cover her ass, basically. Yeah, I think really Cersei thought she had she had made an alliance, a political alliance with the High Sparrow, and uh, there was no deal struck. The, well, they agreed to, to arm the Faith. The Faith saw fit to follow out well, and, and and hold to the God's justice, and there was no mention of 
sparing anybody is yeah, been very, very is, clear that all will be judged equally. That was repeated. All sinners, everyone will be judged equal in the eyes of the seven. Yep. You know, she pretty much did not play that card correctly in the game. No, she uh, it definitely missed an aspect of that one. We jump back across the narrow sea to Bravos. Aria now playing the game of faces quite well. She is now the persona Lana, a oyster and cockle shell merchant. Mm-hmm. And she's instructed now that she's kind of adopted this full personality to change her route and observe more of what's going on. Now that you've built up a, a routine and you've ingrained that as a foundation now grow further. So she's instructed to make a different turn on the street and go down to the Harbor and see what she sees. She's not told what to see. Yep. Um, it's not supposed to be jaded. That's, that's what the lesson is. What can you see? What can you observe? Yeah, basically Jack and Hagar, AKA the man, AKA no one. Yes. This is said, you know, Look, listen, and observe. Yep. And she asks, what will I see? And he says, I, a man cannot tell this because he can't foresee what but she's she, going to see and what she's not going to see. What she does see, however, is a gambler. They call him uh, the Thin Man. Yep. And we find out that he puts up wagers to ship captains that the only way the captain wins the wager is if they die. Essentially, the captains are buying insurance for their families that should they perish on their journey, this uh, thin man is supposed to give the widow and children a, a substantial amount of money. But it sounds like he's not following through his end. He's taking the money when they come back, but he's not. Giving the money if they never return. If they don't. And the family can't do anything about it, really. Well, and his whole, the whole caveat with that one is, well, maybe he just never returned. Don't know if he sank. Yeah. <laughs> well, either way, the, the there's no one to enforce the gambler, the thin man, to pay his share of the bargain, right? Yep. Uh, and that's what's going on here. So... They hatch a plan to potentially kill the gambler. She needs to learn more about him first. And Jack and uh, the, the faceless man or the, the whatever, <laughs> the, the head of the House, House of, of Black, Black and, and White, White, we can say that, gives her a small vial that we can only assume is poison to kill him. Now, what I found interesting, and I don't really know what to think about this, maybe you can apply your, your perceptions. The other girl that's in the House of Black and White is then talking to... Jackin, we'll call him Jackin. Yeah, it's just easier. Uh, about, you know, is she not, she's not ready. And Jackin says, well, if she is or she isn't, that the many-faced God doesn't care. Now, I wasn't sure if, was this out of jealousy that, that Arya was now taking on this role and out in the world and honing the skills in the real world? Or was there a concern that we didn't do enough to train her? Did you get any sort of vibe well, for, on either one? From that, it's she was always saying that she Arya was not ready. You know, there could be jealousy in there that she produced faster. But then there's the the what Jacken said basically as, um, well, it doesn't really matter because oh, how do I say this? I can see the many faced god doesn't care. Because it doesn't really matter if she succeeds or doesn't. Make yeah. sure if... I mean, let's be honest. He's still not going to be able to keep the Slender Man. Thin Man. Thin Man, god dang. The Thin Man still won't pay for his debts. Especially if he's dead. Yeah. But the point is, no one will be making wagers with him anyway. Yeah. So there's there's nothing to deal with there. So it could be jealousy, but I don't really know how it. she could... It's weird. It's a very hard statement to yeah, it's explain kind of, in a way. It was, it was it could go either way with the show. I don't really know what because they were trying it, to express for us. It could be jealousy or it could be actual legitimate concern. Yeah, I don't know either. Uh, so I was just wondering if you had any thoughts on that. Probably a mark of both. Yeah. Which is why it's so hard. Uh, did you have anything else for Bravos? Um, that she... Yeah, she's getting really much, 
really better at the game, which, which allows her to be better doing the real world. Yeah, I mean tricks. the game is obviously uh, just uh, to see how well you can lie. Yeah, we can we see it in the animal kingdom. The animals play that, home, that they learn skills, skills to yep. survive in the water. There you go. Yep. Okay, so you're good on Bravos. Yep. All right, King's Landing B. Cersei again in the cell, visited by Kyburn. I've heard people call him Quyburn, but everything I've heard in the show is Kyburn, and it's Maester- really weird. Maester Quagmire, Maester Quyburn, what? Yeah, exactly. It's like, <laughs> what the fuck are you saying? They say it Quyburn in the show. Fucking say it that way. Um, we find out that the trial uh, against Cersei is going to be pretty substantial. And we find out here that the charges against her are fornication, treason, incest, and murder of Robert. Now, the incest wasn't very clear. We can only assume it's that with Lancel and not that with Jamie. Because I don't because they were cousins and that's still considered incestuous. I don't think uh, Lan Lancel knows about the incest with Jamie. She's uh, been. I think it was hinted at because when Lancel was with Cersei, Tyrion employed him to spy for Tyrion, and kind of threatened him with, "Well, what would Jamie think if he found out that you were fucking Cersei?" Well, it still so doesn't was, mean that he would know that. Yeah, I mean, it's hinted at, but it's not, yeah, it's well, not. Like we always say in Game of Thrones, show me a body. Yep, that's true. <laughs> so, uh, continuing on with that one. Yep. Kyburn expresses that belief is, is the death of reason, uh, in that fanatics don't really hear much more than anything that support. They don't hear anything that doesn't support their own way of thinking. Hmm. Uh, we see that in today's religion. Uh, try to have a... Well, I see it in more than just today's religion, but that's religion, another story. political views across the board. If it doesn't support their their agenda, they typically are quick to uh, you know, brush it aside. We learn that Meister Picel has called Kevin Lannister, which is Cersei's uncle, into the capital to act as Hand of the King, and who now presides over uh, the small council. And even though Kyburn has told Kevin and Tommen to visit Cersei, neither have. Uh, it sounds mm. like Tommen's very emotional, and we are fairly certain from earlier this season that uh, Kevin Lannister has, you know, very little love for Cersei. So he's not running down to uh, stroke her ego, so to speak. Uh, and then Kyburn expresses there's a way out. Now, Cersei jumps to conclusion and thinks that's a cons- uh, to be a confession. I wasn't so sure that's what he was meaning. We know yeah. that he uh, has been doing some experiments on people. We know in the real world there's a drug that can slow the heartbeat uh, to the point where it appears that you're dead. There's a whole story based on with the end of that poison. So, it's quite famous, actually. Yes. Uh, Romeo and Juliet, perhaps. Well, I was going to leave that open, but thanks. Uh, you're welcome. Uh, so we don't really know what Kyburn, what Kyburn uh, means by that. We know that Cersei interprets it as a confession, which we don't know what kind of punishment uh, would be involved in that. So that's... As the High Sparrow uh, said, it determines on the... Nature of the... the of the yep. actions. Now, breaking off t- track here, does anyone really notice the uh, the similarity to the current Pope in real life and the High Sparrow? No. If you look at them two side by side. You mean visually? Yeah. I was going to say, because action-wise, the current Pope is has been... He's been pretty cool. Yeah. He's pretty... But I mean uh, visually. ...aware of the world. But no, I haven't spent that put, much time. Put a... Put that hat on the High Sparrow's head and you'd be like, Pope? You're in Game of Thrones? <laughs> Interesting. Now, when Kyburn leaves, he does mention that the work continues. So, I did catch this, yes. Uh, again, we know that he's been doing experiments. We can assume that the experiments are being done on the mountain... As in the end of last season, we saw he wasn't doing so hot. And there was a body semi-alive under a tarp earlier this season with Kyburn. So we can only assume that he's referring to his his experiments and that they're progressing. 
Anything else there? Nope. That nope. got to where I wanted it to be. Okay. Winterfell, Reek bringing food to Sansa. Sansa's questions him as to why he, Reek, ran to Ramsay and exposed Sansa for trying to leave. Sansa expresses, or Reek expresses there's no escape. Now, Reek did say, I was trying to help you. He didn't quite run off to Ramsay from what I've seen. No, it but is questionable, said, I guess. He says, I was trying to help you. And this goes back to what I said last week in that. I think Ramsey posted up in that tower because he tortured the old lady. Exactly. And Reek didn't know that he was there until he stumbled on the room. Like I said, he wasn't explicitly running to Ramsey, did he? Yeah, no, he was trying to help Sansa, and Ramsey had just outsmarted him. Uh, Sansa has no empathy for Reek, expressing that if she could do what Ramsey did to Theon now Reek, uh, she would. But then... Uh, Reek makes a confession. Mm-hmm. The great one. A great one. Now, I had forgot that he had confessed to, to Ramsay early on. I actually wrote it in my notes at the beginning. That in the previous scenes before the episode, you know, they showed bits and pieces. And one of those was Reek slash Theon confessing to Ramsay that he didn't kill the Stark boys. And I forgot that he did that. I, I thought there was still a secret he was holding on to. So Ramsay has been keeping the secret. Yep. And now we know that uh, it's, it's expressed to to Sansa that her brother's still alive, or at least didn't die at the hands of Theon. And then as she's trying to get more information out of him, she keeps calling him Theon, and he yells out, not Theon, reek, and leaves. Bolts out, yep. And then we're at a strategy meeting with the Boltons and some of his advisors. They're expressing that Winterfell has been rebuilt. The gates have been fortified. The walls have been uh, restructured, mended. mended. Yes, their food stalls are up to are up to a good number. Six months they worth. They can store six months, uh, last out six months, and all they have to do is wait for Stannis's men to freeze and flee and starve. And to which Ramsay says. We should take them while they're. Yeah, Ramsey. I kind of like where Ramsey's. What, from a strategy standpoint, I think he's onto something. Look, we're Northerners. We're used to the North. We're used to the cold. We can fight in this. They can't. Give me twenty good men. I'll well, lead essentially a stealth strike mission, and we'll. We can take care of well, this. Well, at first, uh, Bruce Bolton was like, "Why would we do this? You know, mm -hmm. even a good a good commander knows." To hold off and, you know, don't risk the men if you don't have to. But, but then he says, you know, like Ramsey said, just give me 20 guys. Well, Roos expresses that uh, the snow is too thick to march an army. And Ramsey says, I don't need an army. Just give me 20 men. So pretty interesting play. I think Ramsey's still trying to prove himself, but also from a strategy standpoint, well, I think it makes a lot of sense. Sunza did lay that seed down. Yeah. She definitely said, well, you know, yeah, what how legitimacy are your claim? And then he's now trying to be like, uh, well, I'll, let me show you what I can do to legitimize my claim that I'm better than your yep. let me unborn child worth. to do it. Yep, exactly. So this uh, could end horribly for him. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'm hoping that Stannis just guts the motherfucker. But because, from a strategy yeah. standpoint, I like where Ramsey's head's at. I think it's... A smart play. At the very least, you have someone come back who's a scout who can see what's going on and might be able to report something. Mm -hmm. um, but if they can do some damage in the process, strategically, I think it's smart. I just don't like that it's Ramsey. Back to... <laughs> You've been hating Ramsey for a while. <laughs> a good couple seasons. <laughs> you announced your hate for him for the second, with the last season when it was just like, can we get done with him tormenting? Reek, please. Yeah. Can we move the fuck on? <laughs> Jesus. But I get why they did it. I mean, I was sick of seeing it, but I understood why it was there. Uh, back to Marine. Tyrion and Daenerys having some wine. Daenerys asks if when... She asks when Tyrion will decide if Daenerys is worth advising. And his answer pretty much is, once you decide not to kill me. Let's be honest. This is some... Two shrewd tacticians working with the, against each yep. other. Um, 
They talk about their horrible fathers causing uh, horrible children. Tyrion was hoping that Danny was the horrible that prevents her people from being more horrible. So the ruler has to have some degree of cruelty in order to keep their subjects in line. Well, it goes all the thing. Not everyone can be all good and yep. and all bad. There yep. has to be balance. And Tyrion expresses that his father planned to kill him publicly, so there was no sort of um, you know gray area there. I'm talking about that, he's willing to tell the story as to why he had to kill his father. But it would have to come at a different time, and there would have to be more wine. <laughs> and that is not today. Yep. Uh, Tyrion expresses that Varys is one of the only people in the world that he trusts, aside from Jamie. And even though Daenerys is kind of struck by that, knowing that Varys was the Lord of Spiders and was the one spying and potentially plotting to kill her. This is the whisper. This was the one that the person that Jorah was sending yes. notes to. But Tyrion expresses that he's probably the reason why Danny wasn't killed in her cradle, and he's done far more good, uh, but did what he had to do to survive as he was, you know, under scrutiny in the King's Landing as well. He was mm-hmm. a person with no name, no, no history. He was kind of a wild card, really. If he didn't do what he was asked to do, then he had no value in the in the realm. So Danny says, "You know what." I won't kill you after all. I won't even banish you. You can advise me as long as you can still speak in full sentences. <laughs> then grabs the wine glass. And this is the discussion we have here with Tyrion saying that, listen, you've tried to rule Marine with just the common folk. It hasn't gone that well. Now, in Westeros, all the Targaryens are dead, so you have no family members to support you there. The Starks are essentially dead from a power standpoint. No one's going to support you there. The Lannisters, will they'll no never fucking hell. support you, the last living. So your only real options are the Tyrells. They're the wild card. Not easy, but not impossible. Now, oh. my question is, what about the Dorn? Dornish? Granted, the Lannisters have no political ties there, but they obviously hate the Lannisters in King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Like, why wasn't that presented? i actually kind of wondering how... I mean, I guess Terran got a a history lesson of what was going on in Dorne. Not Dorne, uh, Marine. Because how does he know that she was trying to lead or rule with the common folk and them alone? I mean, I'm he must have, have to say that Varys had spiders and in their trek in the box, there was some education being had. <laughs> some, I guess he wasn't pushing shit to the holes. That's some, that he wasn't was just ship. tossing it outside, tossing it out the ship. boat. Uh, And then we see that Jorah has returned to the Slave Master. He wants to fight again before Daenerys. I'm not really sure what's going on there. He's still trying. He's a dedicated man. I guess. He says, you know what? Let me fight for her and you get to own me. Uh, When I win in the fighting pits, you get to sell me for a pretty penny. Um, You know. Of course, he really doesn't have much to do anymore. I mean, he proved himself as a fighter and he's trying to take full advantage of that. With the Greek scale. Yep. We see that it hasn't spread much more than the initial spot. It's gotten a little bit bigger, but it's not like his whole arm yet. Yeah, which is quite questionable. I guess it does take, you know, several years. I mean, as we saw with uh, Shireen. Yep. It lasts, it does take a while, but then again, they did say they stopped it on hers. Correct. Correct. We jump back to King's Landing for a third time here. A pretty, pretty short one. Cersei's holding strong in front of the behemoth of a... Jail maiden. I mean, I guess. Yeah, maiden. Maiden of the Sept, I guess. Bran, is that you? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Bran's got some cousins. And uh, she expresses that she'll make her a rich woman or she can sit in the cell and keep imagining horrible ways to kill said maiden. Um, and then once she leaves, she kind of breaks down. She's lapping up water from the ground because she won't confess to have it out of the the ladle. This is a very short scene, but it does show show how much she is breaking down. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, she still won't take it from the ladle, but she still knows that she, she needs water. Yeah, and she's starting to get a little desperate, which is probably the whole ploy. 
We jump up to the wall here. Sam and Gilly. Gilly's uh, treating Sam's injuries for standing up to the other brothers who wanted a little piece of the action. And then Ollie enters to discuss about John and the wildling situation. Ollie uh, doesn't understand saving the wildlings. Uh, Tormund was the one who led the attack on his family and the farmers. And Sam tries to express uh, the situation with the White Walkers. You know, as bad as the wildlings are, there are good, just like any other group of people. I've said it but, before in this podcast. Yep. But the White Walkers are the enemy, and the Night's Watch can't battle them alone. They need the men. Going to ally with the wildlings or the free folk is a risk that has to be taken. Ollie points out that what stops them from just slitting our throats in the night it's a risk, you know, we need the bodies to fight and, you know, the enemy of our enemy doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be our friends, but uh, at least we have a commonality. Stick, well, they know something is coming down and a, how do I say this? It's, I think really the shit's going to hit the fan and the Night's Watch know they don't have a big enough broom. <laughs> well, it's, and John believes that it's, you know... There's a chance of death uh, with the if we bring the wild folk in to you know help fight, but there's certain death if they don't. There's certain death if they don't. Yeah, yeah, it's the lesser of two evils, obviously. Mm -hmm. Exactly, that's what I was trying to for. Sam expresses to and tells Ollie not to worry about John, but I don't think that's what John's or Ollie's worried about. I think. Uh, John's safety is one of the furthest things from his mind. I think he's too upset and and not understanding why he would do this, and that's got Ollie conflicted. And Sam said, you know, just trust him. Sure, you have to make the things, make the choices that some people hate, but, you know... Knowing you know that it's right in your head. Yeah. Now... Some people in the community, fans like ourselves, feel that could be taken a multitude of ways. All he could see that is he feels in his heart that it's right that he needs to kill John because he's trading, uh, he's, he's, he's a traitor to the Night's Watch by allying with the Wildlings. You know, and there's other people that feel that way too. So, you know, that statement can be uh, kind of washy there, Sam, so you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. Anything else at the wall before we head north? Nope. Let's head north. Head north. We head to Hardhome, the wildling camp. And Tommen, along with John and the Night's Watch that accompany them, are greeted by the Lord of Bones. Tormund expresses that we need to gather the elders to talk. Lord clan, of Bones says... Clan's leaders. Clan yeah. leaders, elders, essentially. Uh, Lord of Bones says, you don't give orders here. Tormund says, I'm not giving any orders, but this is what needs to happen. Yeah. And then it's expressed that uh, Tormund and John are allies. The traitor card is thrown around once again. Lord of Bones pushes his luck and gets killed. By his own staff. Yeah. Tormund beats the fuck out of him, too. <laughs> bye bye, Lord of Bones. More like Lord of Shit. Uh, <laughs> his armor was shit, apparently. <laughs> Bones, not really that smart. Nope. So they gather the elders. John expresses that he will give the gift of dragon glass to any that join. Also, with traveling south on the other side of the wall, the wildlings can inhabit the gift, which is the land that was donated to the Night's Watch to support the Night's Watch with food, crops, and whatnot. Mm -hmm. uh, supposed to be some of the more fertile farmland around, from my understanding or my recollection. And then the story of Mance's death comes about. The wildlings want to know where Mance is. John says, well, I killed him, which is not wrong. To which there was... But if you don't get the other side of Tormund's story, yeah. it paints a pretty bad picture. And obviously Tormund expressing that he was there when Mance was tied to the pyre to be burned alive. And John's arrow was a mercy killing. A lot of talk about for not forgetting the dead. Night's Watch have killed many wildlings. Wildlings have killed plenty of Night's Watch. John expresses to think of the children. They'll never get to have children themselves if we don't ally and fight the walking dead, essentially. 
uh, almost Army Army of the Damned. Was it Army of the Damned? Was that that movie with the skeleton army? Uh, yeah, it was Army of Darkness. Army of Darkness. That's this is more the Army of Frost. Yeah. Because this is actually a very similar thing. The dead usually control Frozen. I mean, this was a lot in WoW and, yeah, you know, Warcraft things. Is that the dead always kind of had the, the element of ice. It's cold. Yeah, I mean... It's uh, it's one of those things that's usually, you know, the cold dead body, a cold dead corpse. Yep. You know, so it's usually associated with the, the warmth of the body is left. John expresses the long night is coming. Essentially, winter is coming for, for the house words. What I find interesting, and it's kind of subtle but thrown out throughout the show, is that John uses a lot of wildling speak. A lot of phrases that are not southern. He, he refers to the wildling as free folk. He talks about the long night coming, not that winter is coming, not that whatever. He uses a lot of phrases that are from the wildlings north of the well, wall. For here, it's like, I, I kind of have to speak this way. I have to be careful choice my words because I'm speaking to these people. Yeah. I have to show that I'm sympathetic and I know about their culture enough. Yeah. That it's I, not I, like, I, oh, I, yeah. by the way, uh, I say we all need to get on a ship. Let's go. Yeah, it's, exactly. He knows that he has to convince them, and the best way to do that is to relate to them. Exactly. Uh, we see that Tormund sees John for the truth that he is. He's prettier than most of his daughters. True. Uh, he can fight. True. He knows how to lead. True. He needs the wildlings, but really if the wildlings want to survive, the wildlings need the Night's Watch as well. Uh, and that gets a lot of support from uh, the wildling group. Giant included. However, the Thens, not so much. Thens have always been kind of the bastards of the wall of, of beyond. And even the wildlings said they fucking hate yeah, the Yeah, they thens. still hate the fucking so, Thens. Uh, they're kind of the more, I don't know, aggressive, fanatic, Untrusting. extremists, you know, brutal. Uh but once the majority agree, they start loading up into boats. Now, the mother, the main female leader of the clan, uh, whatever clan she was uh, involved mm -hmm. in, when she's loading up her daughters into the boat, she says, I'm right behind you. I yeah, promise. I kind of got that moment. I heard that and oh, said, oh, you're going to die. Shit. Like, <laughs> something's going to happen, you're going to die. You've just, it, you're not making it off of here. Whether it's the Thens or whatever. And then the dead come. The wailing white wall. The arm, the, the, I was going to say armor. Armor's not right, but the, just the sheer mass of them. Is the just, numerous dead. What I didn't, I didn't understand is that the dragon glass was in the hut. The one Night's Watchman was gathering it up. The giant had one. Um, you know, so they were gathering that to leave. They were going to get in the boats and they were going south. And then the dogs started barking and the whites are here. My question during all this is, where the fuck is the fire? Like, <laughs> we know that fire inhibits the bodies from turning into whites. John killed the whites at the wall with fire in season one, or, yeah, it was season one. Uh, and he saved Lord Mormont from the two white walkers they had at the wall that turned, the bodies that turned. Why isn't there, like, some raging bonfire here? A, to keep all the wildlings warm, and then B, to use as a fucking weapon. I don't... I no idea why that didn't happen. <laughs> um, let's see Didn't here. have any... Yeah, that didn't have any, like, propellant either. That would have been really helpful. Uh, uh, Dragonfire? Wildfire. Well, they didn't have any, like, on the boats. They yeah. could just be like, all right, toss it in. Yeah, I was thinking of the wildfire they used in the Battle of Blackwater where they lit the whole, like, harbor on fire. Well, they didn't they have it fire. there because they were really expecting it, yep. the invasion. But I find it now that – what had John seen White Walker, right? He has yeah, because he killed the ones at the – he threw the, um, the torch at the – there was a lantern, oil lamp, at one in season one saving Lord Mormont. He burned his hand in the process. I see it kind of hard that – 
these guys aren't smart enough to be like, hey, maybe we should make some like acrylic kind of thing with like a fuse, gunpowder, and wildfire. Well, only why don't only we the, make bombs to toss out? What the only hell is the this? Uh, the pyromancers of King's Landing, as we know, supposedly know how to make the wildfire. But ah, it would have been handy here. So the it's wildlings like, or the White Walkers are attacking. We learn that arrows are not effective, and all zombie shows, movies, the shot to the head does it. Well. We saw a few White Walkers with arrows still in their heads, still attacking. So arrows don't do it. Apparently curb stomps do. (laughs) One dude stepped on the... Giant just like... Yeah, the giant's crushing him. (laughs) Tears him apart. It's like, yo! Did you catch the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse reference in the show? Was it sitting up on the 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 mountain? I was like, ooh. And then John's going in to get the dragon glass. He's going with the Then, a surprising ally at the time. And... What's referred to as the other enters into the hut. Now, it's important to express that there's essentially two types of White Walkers. You have the bodies that were turned, which are like the more zombie-esque. They're the cannon fodder. Yeah, they're the Whites. They're the White Walkers. Then you have the others. This is uh, the White King, which we saw with the crown. This is the warrior that John faces. They... It's unclear if they've turned and they've been whites for so long, but it seems like they retain or have uh, a degree of cognitive intelligence. They're not just some mindless wave of killing force. They they're, they this wear armor. Be, they have the strategy. They this could be the 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 kids that the king has taken. Uh, yeah, we'll get to the kids here in a second. Um, more not the kids no, here. not. Not the yeah, skeletal I think it's the ones. ones that are, that are turned that were alive. Not yeah, exactly. The that there turned. you go. Yeah. So if you remember, and I think season three, uh, it could have been season four, where Craster's sons were left out in the wilderness where he kept his daughters and kept them his wives. Well, we saw with one baby that a white took the baby, and what's referred to as the White King, the the other that has kind of the ice. Uh, spiked crown on his on his kind of molded onto his face. Yeah, basically in his head. Taps the baby with his like fingernail, and the eyes go white. So it's a living entity that is converted versus the dead that's turned. That's what I was thinking. So we don't really know the the nature of the others versus the whites, except for the others seem to be the shot callers, and the whites are just the the fodder. Like I said, just mm-hmm. the. The, the wave of... I almost of, see it as like a kind of a psychic kind of thing, though. Mm-hmm. They ha- He has the the pillars being the others, which are able to support his, aka, psychic kingdom, which then is allowing to relay orders to the cannon fodder pawns. I don't know if it goes that much. I don't know if it's psychic, but you know what I mean. It's yeah. just a representation. Now, to me, the other that was going to f- eventually fight uh, John here... Is the same one that we saw Sam see. Mm. Uh, I think it was at the beginning of season four. Memory serves. When he was with Gilly in the hut. No. Oh, maybe that was maybe, it was, maybe it was that one was killed with the dragon glass. Where he was, yeah, no, it was a different one. Yeah, because he killed that one with the dragon glass. It was when he was hiding behind the rock, and the white came on the horse. I think it was the same one that fights John here, although he wasn't armored. Was this the end of season three when it was coming in? It might have been the end of season three. I think that's what it was. With the whole army of the whites. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The mother can't kill the white children. Now, maybe she knew these children. They died and they returned. Maybe it's the maternal instincts that she couldn't kill children-esque figures. Didn't it show that no one, absolutely no one, escapes the rights? Yeah, uh, if you die beyond the wall, you and you're not burned, you're a white. You just get converted. Uh, found it interesting the lemming jump, the whole mess, oh yeah, just the king the sh- deadfall screeches and they all run off the edge of the of the cliff and then they get up and start attacking. Yeah, I just referred to that as the deadfall instead of yeah. the waterfall. It's pretty funny. Uh, and it's just and get back up and like oh time to go. So we learned that Obsidian, or not Obsidian, so I'm jumping back to the other that fights John. Apparently Valerian Steel is just as powerful as Obsidian here. It's able Dragon to glass. fend off, Dragon Glass, is able to fend off the weapon of the other, 
is able to pulverize him. So mm -hmm. the Valerian steel, it's, you know, we've always kind of looked at it as Damascus steel, where it's kind of a, a hybrid blend of metals that's stronger, folded so many times a strong weapon. Now it, we you see notice, it's got magical purposes. Did so you notice the look on the, the other's face? face? He's like, wait. Yeah, that's not supposed to happen. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. What is this? <laughs> wait a minute. I didn't sign up for this. And then, whing, and that was that one part where uh, just before or before they're breaking the uh, wall down, um, it was that part where John was like, okay, you know, he pulls out Longclaw. Yeah. He's like, let's go. I'm like, here we are. Yeah, free folk. going to get real. Free folk and Night's Watch fighting together. Yep. It's happening. It's like, yep, Longclaw's out, and here we go. Yep. So then they all flee to the boats. We see the giant just kind of step into the water. I'm not really sure what he's going to do. Is he going to hang off the back of the boat? Is he just going to walk across the ocean? Or what hell of a brisk swim, I have I mean, to say. Jesus. Uh, and then the white stands on the, the white king uh, standing on the dock. Uh, and he starts to raise his arms. At first I thought, wait a minute, this fucker is Poseidon now too? He's going to uh, create this, waves and crush the boats? This like, kind of at son first, of a bitch. This kind of at first was like, where are you going? Yeah. He first Come thought on. it was a taunt. Yeah, he was like, let's go. We're, I'm right here. Where are you going? He raised his arms slow enough for me that there was a purpose to it. Well, you can still. Uh, he still had that position of... Hands down, you know, lower. Well, I thought it was going to be like raising presented. the tide of the water, like like Poseidon, right? I just, I'm and just going to ice and just walk to the boat yep. and be like, oh. And then we see that he has the power to raise the dead. Uh, he has the power to uh, convert the corpses into um, newly soldiers, race. essentially. And right. again, we saw this, referring back to the Craster's baby, where the king touched him on the forehead and he was converted into some sort of supernatural entity, I will say. Uh, some people are saying that that this entire scene was better than Walking Dead zombies. I was like, all right. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm a big fan of Walking Dead. I, I don't want to say one's better than the other. The supernatural factor of this uh, is definitely intriguing. Uh, then the other, there's two big questions now that... The mother, I never got her name. I don't think uh, they ever, actually ever gave Really it. ever said it. But she asked, you know, will the Night's Watch really open the gates uh, when we get there? John expresses, well, I, I ordered them. She goes, yeah, but you're not going to be there to enforce the order. And we know that many of the Night's Watch were not uh, supporters of John in this endeavor. Could we face a mutiny at the wall? Has um, Alistair kind of taken over and it's all under his rule now we don't know i mean we were never really there and we were but she wasn't so how would she know the politics of the wall when well because she, she would never be able to wildlings get... in the wall and the night's watch have always been enemies just because john wants to be allies doesn't mean that all the night's watch are behind him Same thing i think she's yeah. smart enough to to figure that out just like all the free folk thens and whatnot were not unanimously in support of allying with the crows. Yeah. So there's that. Uh, but yeah, man, that is a we, gnarly episode. We do it. get that, that epic uh, back and forth screenshot between the king, mm -hmm. the ice king, I forget, you know, whatever he's supposed to be called. I call him the white king. I don't the white know. king, all right. And John, and it's that back and forth, the terms that there is... Definitely some tension there. Is there is more to come with these two characters. Yeah, they've been building this up. I don't know if it's going to be this season or not. We've only got two more episodes left. Uh, but something... They're, they're fueling that fire. Yeah. And that's got to culminate into something. Mm. But, yeah, I mean, we dug this episode. Definitely the best episode of the season, at least in my opinion. The only thing I could really not like if the Game of Thrones were... Now, if they did that, which they did at the ending of the episode, then go to another season and just have like a, a whole other season to, of diplomacy and watching the the king, you know, come down through. And while we're watching, you know, uh, what's it called? Watching John prepare and Tyrion advise Daenerys, and it's 
Well, keep in mind, we still have Bran uh, north of the Wall. We're not yeah. going to see him this season. Uh, so we're definitely going to have to have an, another season to and him getting into it. Well, they, we know that they're signed for at least the sixth season. I'm sure it's going to go more. I mean, I think this is just too much of a cash crop for HBO. I think at least the pillars are coming together. Yeah, it's all starting to culminate a bit. Uh, I think we're going to have some fire with the dragons. Hopefully we'll be playing to a part in this war. I don't know. Haven't read the books. Hey, the book series is called A Song of Ice and Fire. Questioning. So we have that. And then I still have no idea what the... Is it the figure or the person or the thing that was under the godswood with Bran? Uh, oh, the three-eyed raven? The... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean... They, no they've got to address reason. that. Brands had now a full season uh, of which we know is not necessarily 10 days. It's a period of time that he's been training north of the wall with his warging and whatnot. So I'd be interested that's, to that's see gotta... if it was the warging was a small manifestation of the power that the White King has. That's an interesting That could be concept. F- funny as heck. Yeah, would where be he sit, he's sitting there training with that figure. Then, you know, somehow it goes back to John and then all of a sudden is able to control the Whites back over. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a far-fetched... I uh, wish, but whatever. you know, hey. Fuck, write a fan fiction on it. One, one person, can, I can dream. I can... So uh, dragons and reversals and stuff. I don't know. Okay. You done? Maybe. All right. Let us know what you thought about uh, game of this episode of game of Thrones. Uh, if you felt it was as well done and intriguing as we did. And uh, let us know what you thought about our coverage on it. Talk to us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash abundance dot not Twitter at abundance, not uh, and we are uh, on YouTube, uh, Abundance Not. You can find us there. Video versions of the podcast will be posted up. Um, I will say there, it's just an audio and image. So if you want to listen to it there, uh, a little easier for you. No real video content uh, for the podcast at this time. And with that... Do you want to do the announcement for tomorrow? No. No? Okay, so we should let people find out. All right. Yeah. So uh, thanks again for listening, guys, and we'll chat with you next week. Keep on fighting.